Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. One of, if not the highlight of our Christian year as we celebrate new life and resurrection. So I'm particularly pleased to be joining you today as we reflect on this perhaps familiar passage, but always I think there's some really good things for us to see and learn and take in for our own lives. So I'll be reading from the Gospel of John. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. Some of you, if you pay attention to politics at all, know that we are in the season of caucuses and primaries, or at least the, I should say, the early stages of caucus and primaries, even though those won't happen until early 2020. Numerous candidates are now spending time in Iowa and New Hampshire, getting to know the folks there, and that includes Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. I have a friend who lives in Nevada, Iowa, in central Iowa, and he posted on Facebook this week that his in-laws hosted Senator Booker at their home for a meet and greet, and there were about 25 people there or so. This is not terribly unusual for uh, Iowans to host candidates in their homes, but still it's a pretty big deal. And in looking at all the different Facebook comments and pictures, the family indeed thought this was a pretty big deal. So I reached out to my friend and I asked him, what did the family do to prepare? Many years ago, I have another friend from college whose parents hosted then Vice President Al Gore in their home and they had to go through 
all kinds of things to get ready for the vice president's stay in their home overnight. And so I asked my friend this time when Senator Booker came, what did they do? So he sent me back a Facebook message and said, well, uh, they got their carpets cleaned, the furniture rearranged, they dusted, vacuumed, cleaned up the yard from all the winter debris, crammed the closet full of all the normal things you have in your house, got the cars out of the driveway, they swept the floor, cleaned the windows, cleaned the bathroom, and probably other things I'm missing. And then he said it was a thorough, deep clean, and after and all after their weekly house cleaning service had come by earlier in the week. So I understand, you know, you make a big deal whenever you have someone into your home, even if it's just friends over for a dinner party, you usually do some cleaning so that people come and think, wow, they keep their house really clean. But if they perhaps just popped in, the home might not look quite as, quite as clean. We make a big deal. We make a big deal out of a visitor. We especially make a big deal out of someone who's a big deal. Now, churches do the exact same thing. This is the time of the year where churches do some spring cleaning in preparation for Easter. I remember in the two churches that I served before Urban Village, and they had buildings, and they had the pews, and they had the little holders on the pews that had the hymnals. And if you've ever been in a church, you know that in addition to hymnals, they would have things like the little golf pencils there and the little offering envelopes and So we would go through, I would go through and do a cleaning of the sanctuary before Easter. We'd take out the hymnals and find all kinds of goodies. We would find uh, bulletins from Advent uh, that were crammed in there and had never been cleaned out. We would find candy wrappers. We would find all these little offering envelopes and doodles that children had drawn as they were bored by the sermon. So churches, too, make a big deal. They make a big deal out of someone who's a big deal, the resurrected Christ. Churches this uh, today will put out white Easter lilies. Uh, white is the color of the Easter season, so they will put white claws on their altars. Today at our site, we will have white balloons, so it will be bright. It will be light as a way of proclaiming and rejoicing in this wonderful news of the resurrected Christ. But it's interesting, though, isn't it, that we are, in a sense, telling the story incorrectly? By overemphasizing brightness and cleanliness, it seems to go against the very first part of this passage from the Gospel of John. It starts off by saying, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. So we may know this passage quite well, and we anticipate this wonderful news of Mary saying, I have seen the Lord, but it starts off by saying all of this happened while it was still dark. So I want to talk a bit about darkness this morning, which seems counterintuitive on Easter, but hang with me. I think there is still beauty to be found here. As Louis Armstrong sang in that well-known song, What a Wonderful World, in the verse where he says the bright, blessed day, but he also goes on to sing and say the dark sacred night. There is beauty to be found in brightness, but also in darkness. One of my favorite authors, Barbara Brown Taylor, wrote a book a few years ago called Learning to Walk in the Dark. And she wrote, I have learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light. Things that have saved my life over and over again, so that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. 
Now, the messages that we hear in our lives is that darkness is bad. You probably have heard the well-known phrase that says nothing good happens, depending on your uh, how you've heard it. I went on the search engine this week and typed in nothing good happens after just to kind of see what is the common time. And it's, it seems like it ranged either from midnight or 2 a.m. So people said nothing good ever happens after midnight or after 2 a.m. Or you might just say nothing good happens after dark. As I was searching around in the midst of this searching, I came across this blog post by this church pastor and writer. I had not heard of him before, but he looks like, you know, he has this large church, multi-site somewhere out west. <clears throat> and he wrote a blog post uh, that said, nothing healthy grows in the dark. That was the heading of the, uh, of the blog. And then his first sentence in this blog post was, darkness is dangerous. So I would differ and beg to differ from this pastor and author, especially since there are many things that actually grow quite well in the dark. And of course, when we talk about darkness and when we subconsciously say that darkness is bad, there is implicit and sometimes explicit racism that goes on too when we say these words. So these are the messages that we have heard in our lives about darkness is bad. But some of the best things in the Gospels happen in the dark, happen after midnight or 2 a.m. Of course, the story we love to tell every December in the Gospel of Luke, it says, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And that's when the angel came. One of the most famous verses in the Gospel of John, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Now, you may not know, at the very beginning of John 3, this chapter begins, it's an interaction between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Verse 1 says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. So one of, if not the most famous verse in the Gospels happened at night. It's not just darkness that we may be misrepresenting here as we look over and read this scripture. It also may, we may overlook some of the confusion that happens in this passage too. Many will today understandably point to Mary's declaration of certainty. I have seen the Lord. What a wonderful passage that is. I have preached on these words over the years, but we may not pay attention to other things that are mentioned. Verse two says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And Mary says, we do not know where they have laid him. Verse nine says, for as yet, Simon Peter and the other disciple, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Verse 13, again, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And Mary says, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So today, many people will, preachers and people who read this passage will emphasize Mary's declarative statement, I have seen the Lord as well we should, but we don't talk about the number of, I don't know. 
I do not understand. So in this beautiful, wonderful passage, where we may emphasize declarative statements, we may look and reflect on and celebrate these angels in white. The disciple who looked in and it said that he believed, but it doesn't, we don't really know exactly what he believes. All of these things we will absolutely celebrate, but I also want us to not forget what else is in this passage, because it may speak to where all of us are in our own lives. Jesus came to us, the resurrected Christ. Death was defeated in the darkness. Resurrection, that's when resurrection happened, in the darkness, not in the light. New life and these declarative statements about seeing the Lord and finding the courage to tell others that they have seen the Lord, it came out of a context of uncertainty. I do not know. They did not understand. There is a lot of confusion going on here in this passage. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, when we think about our own lives and where we are in our faith, on this Sunday, you may wear your Sunday best As you go to church, you may do something extra special to prepare. You want to look and feel your best. And we go to worship and the pews and chairs will be filled and people will declare that Christ is risen and people will respond, Christ is risen indeed. Some churches will have trumpets blaring, organs blasting, guitars at our site will be also being played as we celebrate all these things. And so we have this, these smiles on our faces as we think about the people that we will be with, friends and family. And in the midst of all of this, maybe somewhere deep down in our hearts, there is uncertainty. Or maybe you are feeling what you may describe as darkness. Again, Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, uh, when she talks about uh, walking in the dark, and she says this, If I have any expertise, it is in the realm of spiritual darkness, fear of the unknown, familiarity with divine absence, mistrust of conventional wisdom, suspicion of religious comforters, keen awareness of the limits of all language about God, And at the same time, shame over my inability to speak of God without a thousand qualifiers, doubt about the health of my soul, and barely suppressed contempt for those who have no such qualms. These are the areas of my proficiency. This is an Episcopal priest, best-selling author, talking about spiritual darkness. Maybe this is where you are as you wear your Sunday best and proclaim Christ is risen today. And if not today, certainly there is a part where there's a time in your life, no doubt, where you have felt one of these things. But this is the good news of Easter. (laughs) It is in darkness and uncertainty when resurrection happens. In those moments when we are at our lowest, when we wonder if there is any place that we can move forward, if there is anyone who is there for us, that's when resurrection comes. I came across a story that my dad told me 
several years ago, and I want to retell it for you today or share it with you today. Some of you know my dad is a retired now United Methodist pastor and served for a time in Des Moines, Iowa, <clears throat> near the downtown area. And the neighborhood that he lived in uh, was on the lower socioeconomic uh, scale, and they would have a, a dinner at their church once a week that they would serve those who are experiencing homelessness, those who are hungry. And from time to time, dad would also have Bible studies for folks who would come to the meal. And so as he led a Bible study, one time a guy named Steve, who lived in the neighborhood, came to the study and he became a regular. And after a while, my dad got to know him a little bit. And so Steve said, would you mind coming to where I live and lead a Bible study there? Now, as dad started to talk to Steve and discover where he lived, he, he realized that Steve actually lived in a, a well-known home of, of ill repute in the neighborhood. There were known to be many drug transactions that happened in this house. From the outside, it looked pretty run down. So I don't know if, if dad was at all uncertain, but dad, I think, took a chance and said, okay, uh, let's go. So Steve set up the night <clears throat> and dad I think he wrote about this in one of his newsletters, which is where I have it. And Dad said that he he went to the home and Steve had done his best to try to gather people for this study. So Dad showed up at 7 o'clock and they pulled some couches together in the center of this big living room. And Dad described it, said the, the couches were kind of crusty and dirty, greasy with holes. He said smoke filled the air. There were dishes in the sink that needed to be cleaned needed a bath, as dad wrote, along with some of the others who were in that circle with them. And then he wrote a really interesting point too. He said, blankets were used for curtains blocking out any light. So this room was in dark, dark, or deep darkness. Steve sat to dad's left. And as dad looked at Steve, he couldn't help but notice and looked at the, at the wallpapers and, and noticed that the wallpaper seemed to be moving. And as he looked closer, he noticed that there were little cockroaches that were going up and down the walls. So this is the context of this Bible study. All these individuals who may have been there for a drug transaction, darkness is there. Uncleanliness is everywhere. So dad talks about one evening that they were talking about the parable of the prodigal son. You may know the story where the son takes money from his father and goes out and spends it and then decides I've got to go back even though what I had done to my dad, I essentially in taking this inheritance I had said to my dad, you are dead to me. And so he goes back home and begs for forgiveness and his dad welcomes him and runs to him. And it's a story that we know well. And so dad asked them the question, would you, would your dad have welcomed you back? Would your dad have welcomed you back in this story? And there was silence at first. And then out of nowhere, they heard a loud no. It was Steve. Now, normally Steve was pretty quiet. As dad tried to get others to join in the conversation, Uh, Steve rarely said anything at all. And, but on this day, Steve slid up to the edge of the couch and wanted to talk. He said, Steve said, there's no way my dad would have welcomed me. He would have beat me, kicked me out of the house. This story isn't true. And now everybody else 
also slid on the edge of their seats because they didn't hear Steve talk like this before. And Dad kind of jokingly said he thinks maybe even the cockroaches stopped to listen to what was going on here. But this parable, Jesus' words, my dad said, penetrated Steve's condition. He was struggling with mental illness. He was on improper medication, was using street drugs. But he listened to the power of this story and penetrated the condition that gave him a voice. And dad said, I'd never witnessed that kind of power. It was in the darkness that this happened. And maybe, just maybe, that was the night where it began to turn around for Steve. He went to a hospital, got his medication leveled out, moved out of this home into a better environment. He moved next door to a group of nuns who asked him to help him. He got his driver's license, bought an old truck, which he used to run errands for the nuns. Dad said he saw him a few weeks, or saw him at one point. He was living on his own. He had a new truck and was smiling, very talkative. And Dad said, God keeps working on his mind. He gets to thinking about things. And it started to turn his life around. We love stories like this, don't we? But we often will <clears throat> focus on this, the end, where Steve cleaned up his act, moved in to a, next to a group of nuns, got his life turned around. And we forget that all of this started where? In the darkness. That's when resurrection happens. The poet Wendell Berry, a poet and author, Wendell Berry, writes, To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that the dark too blooms and sings. You may, as you listen to this, be in a time of real confusion, of not knowing where you are. Everyone else might be crying out hallelujahs. And you may say that too, but you know deep in your heart there's another part of you that wonders, I don't understand. I don't know. My life is filled with some darkness uncertainty. And if we begin to wonder if we are alone in this, know that you are not. And then if you wonder, I don't know if these alleluias are for me, just remember, friends, when resurrection happened early on the day when it was dark. That's when resurrection happens. And so as you Reflect on your own life and cry out to God and cry out for something to happen. Know and trust and believe that new life happens when the night is the darkest. And there is beauty in that moment. And there is beauty that we can cry out even in the confusion and even when we can't see where we're going. And we can say, Christ is risen. I have new life and that light will shine on the steps in front of me. And I will walk by faith, knowing that I have prepared a way for Christ to come into my life, just as Christ has prepared a way for us. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this message. I hope that this season of Easter, this is not just one day, but a season where we celebrate new life and resurrection. I hope that this season is one filled with a blessing and reflection for you. As always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org, Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn, and you can also go to my website, christiankuhn.com, and find out things that I am doing. I just have a new another podcast up this week, too, that you can go check out. 
And so as we go into this Easter season, I'll be back next week and look forward to sharing more with you then. And so Christ is risen, friends. Let us take this good news and let it transform our lives. May the peace of Christ be with you.